today is a beautiful topic and a challenging topic. So I just want to put that out there. I, I know that uh, we're talking about healing today. And I know that in a room this size, and we have many of our friends that are out camping or down in uh, down in their, their lake house or wherever, but in a room even this size, you're going to have different thoughts when it comes to healing. And many of us have had different experiences when it comes to healing. You know, th- there's, this is a place where there might be some hurt, right? Or some disappointment. Maybe you went for prayer or you've had something that you've wanted to be healed and you haven't been healed from it. And you might have been told this, because I've been told this lots of times in my life, like if you had enough faith or it's a faith problem or you got to come with more faith or you're going to be disappointed, right? Or maybe you're in a community, because this has happened to me too as well, where people are getting healed and I wasn't. And so it's like a weird thing because it's like, what's going on? How is this working? What, what is going on? You know, I've, I've struggled with this for years. I actually came from a, uh, when, when Megan and I first were married, we were part of another church and uh, the, the, the pastor's wife got uh, cancer and it had gone all over her body. And she got prayed over, and this was before we were there, but she got prayed over, and she was actually on the pre-op. You know how they do one last scan before the surgery and all that kind of stuff? She was miraculously healed from it. Gone. Just completely gone. It's an amazing story. So you, you have this. Same family, same faith. Uh, the pastor retires. Uh, a couple months later, this is after we left, he got a brain tumor and uh, passed a couple months later, right into retirement. How do you deal with these two things, right? It's something that you kind of, in the church, how do you process these two experiences? You know, there's things in my life, physical healings that I would like, some emotional healings that I would like. Can I get an amen? You feel that? That one in particular? Some crazy miracles have happened in my life, and there are things that I have struggled with for many, many years that I have not, been, get, have not received my healing yet on this. And this is a talk that's personal for me, and it's probably a talk that's personal for you as well. There might be some uncomfortable seats going on, at least maybe the uncomfortable stage time up here. Today, we're going to continue this series called The Way of Jesus, and we're in the book of Mark. And we're going to look at two stories, and we're going to look at some patterns within healing stories, okay? And then we're going to go a little bit deeper and press further on for that. But when we think about the book of Mark, it's important to think about what the book of Mark is. Mark is the shortest of the four Gospels, and it's uh, actually anonymous. It it doesn't say that Mark wrote it. And so it's actually an anonymous book, but what we know is that there's evidence, and the early church tradition was that the Gospel identified the author of Mark. So who is Mark? Mark was an associate of the Apostle Peter, and he was not an eyewitness of Jesus. He He wasn't a follower, so he's hearing the stories of what's happening, and he's writing them down, and he wrote down accurately all that he had heard. And so he was this interpreter to a wider audience, and so with all this, we know that the account is true. But I love what John says, because one of our friends, John, one of the elders here, he always, he's in our life group, and he always talks about the significance of, he can just picture Mark writing this all down, just his mind blown, right? Like if you were with people that had witnessed it, and you had, they had seen these things, You're just sitting there and you're taking it all in and you're writing this all down. And what we see about the book of Mark is that it's about Jesus's teachings. It's about Jesus's death and resurrection, but it is also about healings. 
and about the mighty deeds that were important to Mark to communicate. And over and over and over again, we see it in the book of Mark. It's miracle after miracle and demonstration after demonstration. And Mark dedicated more of his account to Jesus' miracles than any other gospel writer. So for Mark, these miracles were a demonstration of Jesus' power. His power over disease, his power over evil, his power over nature. And so during his three years ministry, it's a clear display of the mercy of God being poured out on individuals through Jesus. And Mark's going to say over and over and over again, this is happening. In the coming of Jesus, here's what we see. We see the overcoming of sin. We see the overcoming of death. We see the overcoming of the enemy, but we also see the overcoming of sickness. So the New Testament is written in this way to show us that there's a power struggle of two realities that are happening over and over again. The reality of the kingdom of God taking place here on earth and darkness trying to oppose it. Before we talk about healing, we have to understand that that is what is happening. The kingdom of God is trying to take root here on earth and the enemy is trying to oppose it. All of what you are feeling, all of the anxiety, the worry, the pain, the stress, the, the feelings of overwhelm, is those two realities taking place. The kingdom of God setting root in our hearts and the enemy trying to oppose it, okay? Are we good? We're filing? I need some amen today. Amen. This struggle helps us understand healing. When we look at it from who Jesus is and the kingdom of God breaking forth, Healing is simply this, one way, it's simply one way that God's kingdom expresses itself. And what we see is it expresses itself to the individual, right? Healing comes and it's the kingdom of God coming into our reality and it's expressing itself. And so we're going to look at two separate healings that are similar, okay? Mark 7, Jesus healing of a deaf and mute man. And Mark 8, Jesus heals a blind man. All right, so let's jump in, Mark 7. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers in the man's ear. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Ephatha, which means be open. At this, the man's ears were open and his tongue was loosened. And he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone. But the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He, was he, he has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Now Mark 8, so Mark 7, let's fast forward to Mark 8, similar story. They came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes, and the eye, then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home, saying, don't even go to the village. What do we see first? In these two stories, 
what do we see first? I think it's important for us to see that we see boldness. This is what I was just talking about when we were transitioning songs. There is a boldness to it. Here we see in this, these accounts and in healing accounts throughout scriptures, one of the first things we see in the healing story is that on our end, on our end, we have to have boldness in approaching Jesus, right? Any area that we need healing in, any area, every area, we bring them to Jesus. Our pains and aches in our bodies, our challenges in our lives, our emotional, spiritual healing that we need in our lives, challenges for loved ones, whatever it is, we see that boldness is modeled here and that boldness is modeled throughout the healing stories. Look, let's look at some of them. Mark 7, it says, this is the same story. There were some people who brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly speak. Mark 8, some people brought a blind man. Mark 1, right? The leprosy. A man with leprosy is never supposed to interact with other people, let alone a rabbi. And the, le- the man with the leprosy comes with boldness. And a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Mark 2, 3 through 4, some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man, right? You remember this? They lowered it down. They cut a roof. They cut a hole in the roof to get to Jesus. There is a boldness that takes place when these people, when they understand that Jesus, who can do all things, we just need to take this to Jesus. We need to get to Jesus. And since they could not get to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and they lowered the mat the man was lying on. Mark 5, we talked about this earlier. A, A woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. When she had heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd. She forced her way through the crowd. She did everything she could to get to Jesus. She, he was surrounded, and he, with boldness, she got to Jesus. A woman who was bleeding, who should not have even been out in public, but she knew that this was her only way, and he touched his cloak. There was a desperation. There is a boldness in these stories. Each of them make their way. They have to take risks. They have to not care about what other people think. They have to take the time to get to, what, to, to get to Jesus. And they come with boldness to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords. We see this over and over again. This is on our end. But the other thing we see in the two stories is that there's boldness and there's humility. There's boldness and there's humility. This is the first line. This is the fine line of the Christian faith. The, the, these people fight. They do everything they can to get to Jesus, but they don't come with indifference, they come with boldness, but they also come with humility. They don't come with self-righteousness. They don't come with this idea that I'm a moral goodness, like I've got it all together, I deserve this healing. They come knowing what he can do and what they cannot do, and so they come with boldness. They bring everything to the feet of Jesus, but they also come with humility. Mark 7, 32. And they begged Jesus to place his hands on him. Mark 8, they begged Jesus to touch him. They begged. They begged. It's a positioning thing, right? Begging is an interesting thing because it's a humbling act for sure. The word beg shows us that people understood the the power dynamics of what's happening. Humility plays a crucial role in placing Jesus in his proper order in our lives. How often is the Christian faith this struggle 
to put Jesus in the proper order of our lives, right? We come with boldness to the King of Kings, to the Lord of Lords, but also we come with humility because we know the power dynamics of what's happening. We see these actions that, that these people take to beg or to fall down or to kneel. They take these positions to say, there's a finite nature to me. There's a finite nature to us, but there is an infinite nature to Jesus. And so we have to take this positioning. Humility helps us to recognize our dependency on God for everything. And here's the deal. When you're dealing with pain, when you're dealing with something that you don't know what to do, when you're dealing with something that you need God to come through for you, there's no more humbling position. Am I right? I've walked with many of you through these seasons. It's a special moment, actually. It's kind of hard when you see someone going through something that's challenging, a healing that they need or, or, or a challenge that they're going through. It's actually one of the most special things for me to experience with you because it's way harder on you because you've got all the emotions, all the stuff that's tied up to it. And at the same time for me, it's like, man, this is exactly where God's going to move for you. This is where God's going to move for you. Whenever you've been in a situation where you are like, I have no more answers. I have no more uh, doctor's appointments I can go to. I have no more uh, counseling sessions that I can go to. Whatever that is, where you're just like, I'm done. I don't have any other way out of here. This humility that comes. And we say, God, we need you to move. God, we need you to heal. God, we need wisdom and direction. And we actually embrace the humility. We acknowledge that all of our lives and our healings and our blessings come only from God. And I think that's the word begging here. I think that's the word begging. I think there are moments in my life that I've had, and since taking over this church, I've been a lot more, there's been a lot more moments like that, where you're on your knees in your office or in your prayer closet where you're just like, Lord, I actually am begging at this point. I'm actually at desperation point. I need you to move in a powerful way. And it's really a humbling experience because I don't have the answer. You don't have the answer. You don't have the healing. You don't have the moment, whatever it is. But you lay it at the feet of Jesus. And we see this kneeling before the king shows us that there's another part of the equation. Boldness, humility, and faith. There's a, this is a positioning, is a sign of faith, of trusting God is sovereign, trusting him with the things only he can do, and faith does play a role, plays an interesting role over and over again in these healing stories, okay? Don't worry, we're going to get to it more. Mark 2, it says, when Jesus saw their what? Faith. He said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Mark 5, he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Remember when Jesus was in his hometown, the opposite. It says he could not do any miracles there except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. It's clear that when we're coming to Jesus, this is what I take from this, when we're coming to Jesus, there should not be an indifference to us coming to Jesus. Amen? There should not be an indifference. There's a faith that he can do what he is going to do. We position ourselves with boldness and humility and faith. Faith that God can do anything that he pleases. So now the question comes up that I just talked about earlier. Well, what happens when we don't get healed? What happens when we don't get healed? 
get a little sweaty up here. <laughs> I think it's actually important. I think there's actually some interesting insights into this first story that we're going to kind of unpack that I hope will help. What's going on with the deaf and mute man? Look at what Jesus did. Mark 7 again. After he took him aside away from the crowd, he, Jesus put, in his fingers, put his fingers in the man's ears, then spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said, Ephatha, which means be open. This is really, really weird, dude. This is really, really weird. Matter of fact, it's so weird that the teaching team sent me, because you, if you've been in this church for long, you know a few things about me. One of them is I'm a huge germaphobe. And so the, the first text, Monday, I get a text from the, the, the teaching team that's like, hey, Kurt's got the spit one. Let's see how he deals with this one. This is really weird, right? I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to lay it out there. Let's look at each thing that he does, though. He takes the man aside. He takes him away from the crowd. Why does he do that? You have to remember that if you are mute and you are deaf or you are blind, you are a spectacle. You are a spectacle. No matter what you think or how you look at it, if there's somebody that's deaf or blind or, or can't speak, like people just begin to look. Is, is that right? I mean, that's how it was. And, and back then, much probably different than now, they, they were not integrated into society. This was not a thing where it's like we, we're going to figure this out. And so we see this, that you were looked at, people noticed, and Jesus doesn't want to make a bigger spectacle of it at him. I, I really believe that. Healing was going to be a spectacle for a man who was always used to being a spectacle. And if you were healed, you were one more spectacle. And, and so he moves him to the side, and he puts his finger in the man's ears, he spits, he touches his tongue, he looks up to heaven, he sighs and takes a deep breath. Why do you think Jesus did all that? Why do you think Jesus did all that? You know, in my study, I was looking at it. It's really interesting because he doesn't have to do that, right? The woman just came and touched his cloak and she was healed. We talked about last week, the Seraphonician woman, right? Jesus doesn't even have to be in the same room as this girl. She's like, go, right? Uh, seven. And then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. So she went home. So she left where they were at, and she goes however long to home, and she sees her child lying in bed with the demon gone. Jesus doesn't have to even be in the room. This is what's crazy. So why is he doing this? He does things from afar, but we see this. He heals people in a lot of different ways. So what's going on for the deaf and mute man? Jesus is doing this because because he, he is not doing this because he has to do it. He's doing this for a special way. There's no real pattern. You can't write down. Like there's a lot of people that have like patterns for healing, right? Like it's like, okay, you did this, this, and this. And there's some truth to it. And we, we figure that out and we, we pray together and we'll look a little bit in there. But Jesus doesn't have to have a pattern. Mark's describing a very unique healing method for Jesus. And healing this man, if you look at it and studying this, it, it's really interesting. He's using symbolic acts. The, ma the man can't hear him. The man can't speak or say anything that shows faith, right? So, the, so Jesus is using symbolic acts. He's using these object lessons. Jesus is telling the man through sight and touch that his healing is dependent on Jesus, 
But your healing is dependent on, the, on, on God. And the man is almost being prompted to have faith. G- Jesus is uniquely, even in this process, he's uniquely meeting the man's needs. And it causes the man to exercise faith. Jesus took him aside properly, privately in order to just communicate with him one-on-one, apart from the crowd. He touches his ears and his tongue and spits and looks up to heaven. Jesus is conveying He's conveying to this man that it's by faith that this is happening. This deep sigh may have been this reflective compassion for the man. Like, hey, I understand what you're going through. I understand that there's strong emotions that are tied up to the, I have these strong emotions as well. And this deep sigh was this way of connecting. I know what you have been battling. And then Jesus uses this command, the fatha. I mean, be open. And it's almost like this way, if you look at it, like this way that, the, that he could read his lips. Jesus identifies with this man and uniquely heals him based off who he is. He's not only healing him physically, but emotionally he's showing him that he sees him and he cares about him. He's going to meet you exactly what you need. This act shows us how personal Jesus is. Now, it's a hard thing, but the truth is so important that Jesus doesn't never see us. He never not sees us. Well, I don't know how to say that. He always sees us. How about that? <laughs> Jesus always sees you. He knows you more than you know yourself. We forget that sometimes. I can, in my busyness, forget that a lot. Jesus sees you. He knows you. He understands your pain. He understands your emotions tied to that pain. He understands it all. He understands it all. And he knows what you need and who you uniquely are and at what point of your life you're at. That's the other thing to know. So whenever we come to our Lord, whenever we come to Jesus for healing of any kind, for wisdom of any kind, for discernment of any kind, it's a faith-building moment. There's a faith-building moment whenever you come for asking for Jesus for anything. There's a faith-building moment. Jesus gives us what we need, not just what we want. Can we write that down? Jesus gives us what we need, not just what we want. For healing for us today, here's one of the challenges. If you've ever been in the faith long, and you've experienced this. I'm just, I'm just laying it out as clear as I can because I don't want to sugarcoat anything. If you have any questions, we can talk about this more. So whenever you come up and you pray for healing, you get prayed for for healing, you ask for discernment, whatever it is, sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is not yet. Have you ever felt that? That's happened to me multiple times. And sometimes the answer is I have a greater purpose in you going through this. I have a greater purpose for you going through this. I have something right now that I want removed from me. I want it to kind of be taken care of. And I know every time that I pray that I'm supposed to walk through it. Doesn't make it easier. Doesn't make me not ask for it again and again and again. Let's just be honest. But I know that I'm supposed to walk through it. And there's a spiritual maturity that it takes to get there. Jesus gives us what we need, not just what we want. Now, I want to talk about one more deeper identification within this story. The deaf and mute man. 
And, and I believe that this brings us hope no matter what. Mark uses this intentional word when he's talking of the man. He uses this one Greek word. There's one word to describe him as a deaf and a mute. And there's a single Greek word used here, mogalon. And it's a rare word occurs only here and in the Septuagint in Isaiah 34, 35. So the Septuagint is this. It's, it's a translation of the Hebrew Bible into Greek. And it's translated in the 3rd and 2nd century in Egypt. And so Israel is, is under Greek language, right? And so it became more and more common for Israelites to, to, to uh, speak uh, Greek. And so what we see is that uh, many of the New Testament quotes from the Hebrew Bible are taken from this manuscript, from the Septuagint. And so this word that Mark uses is very, very intentional. All right, so he's pulling this one word to describe this man. And the idea is that he wants us to cross-reference Isaiah 35. And he takes us to this prophecy. And the prophecy is about the Messiah. And it's a, a passage about the promising of the coming of God's rule on earth. Isaiah 35, 4-6. Let's read it together. Say to those who are fear with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout out for joy. In this section of Mark, he's going and saying there's something way beyond physical healing that's happening as well here. Look at who Jesus is. He's showing us in Jesus, we see that the eyes of the blind are open. We see that the ears of death are open. We see that the mute come and shout for joy. We see that God has come, and we see that God has come to what? Save us. God has come to save us. He's going to come with divine retribution. What's going on? He's actually coming to bear divine retribution. He's coming on the cross and when he's on the cross, he's identifying in a powerful way with each one of us. He's taking on the thing that we deserved, the things that we deserved. He's taking it on the cross. He died for you and me for all our sins and for all, all our failures. And because of this, we get to approach with boldness. We get to come with boldness. And when he comes and he heals, yes, we see a small glimpse of the kingdom of God. That's what's happening. When he comes and he heals, we do see a small glimpse of the kingdom of God coming. The healing power that's active then is active today. And we're called to come boldly to the throne. We're called to come with humility, to come with faith. That's the truth, right? James tells us this, James 5. If anyone among you is sick, let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord, the, the Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. We come and we pray with faith. And we do, we acknowledge the power struggle of these two realities. The reality of the kingdom of God taking place and darkness. And sometimes God heals and sometimes he wants us to walk through it. But the truth is, even if we're healed in that moment, this is like one of those like pastor lines that you're like, oh, I hate having to say this, but I'm going to say it. Even if you're healed in the moment, you're all in the process of dying. You're all in the process of dying. 
Good, I got a lot of shakes, not a lot of like pitchforks coming at me. It's a hard truth. It's a hard truth, but it helps us to understand what's going on because Isaiah, Mark's saying there's a greater thing coming. You're going to see the kingdom of God invade the reality of earth and push back darkness. You're going to see and experience healing in some areas of your life. In the Bible, we see miraculous healings and we see people that are carrying stuff for, for their whole life. We see both these realities in the Bible. We see the realities happening in the truth now. But we find the pro- that we're all in the process of dying. Story of Hezekiah, Isaiah 38. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. And the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you're going to die. You will not recover. This is tough news. It's tough news for him. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and he prayed to the Lord, Remember, Lord, how I've walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, go and tell Hezekiah, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will add 15 years to your life. Amazing story. Hezekiah comes with boldness and humility and faith, but he really only gets 15 years. He's still in the process of dying. It's a hard reality. Jay, you can come up and play. Even when we are healed, it's amazing. There's a larger truth. And even when we're healed, it doesn't change the truth of the, of the cross. Even when we're not healed, it does not change the truth of the cross. Some of us have things that we just desperately feel like we cannot take anymore. And you come forward, like James tells us, and we pray and we join in faith and we say, Lord, have your will in this place. We come with desperation. We come with boldness and we come with humility. Have your way in this place. And sometimes in my life, I've been healed from stuff. Sometimes in my life, I'm walking through it still. Sometimes in my life, I don't even see this side of heaven of all the pain and the stuff that I'm dealing with is ministering in some ways to other people or the Lord's working through me. Some of you, I'm almost more tired than you are because I want to see you all healed so much. And it's hard for me to watch. If many of you in this room, it's hard for you to watch a loved one go through pain or anxiety or worry or depression or just need some healing like you, like I can't take anymore. I'm, I'm going for them as well. And yet at the same time, those same people and many of them in the room that I love deeply, that I love deeply, man, you're, your stories are testament to who God is and your faith is never shaking. I have seen people where faith is like not the problem, right? And it's hard to see. But at the same time, the cross remains the same. The power of the cross remains the same. The power of the truth that we will have new bodies, that we will be with Jesus forever, that we will be in the presence of the Lord. And he's saying, Mark's saying, listen, there's a healing coming. Jesus is coming. There's two opposing forces. And when Jesus is in the room, evil has to flee, right? But at the same time, he did not do this just for your physical body to be healed or your emotional body to be healed. He did this so that you would be with him forever. He's saying, on the cross, 
I'm coming with divine retribution and I'm going to be the one that takes it so that you don't have to. We will all someday be in the presence of our creator. Ben, you can come on up. We will all be faced with this moment. And the moment is this, that we are not immortal. All of us will be faced with it, whether you're a Christian or not, that we're not immortal. And the truth is this, is that we can only be with our creator because of what Jesus did. And whether you're healed in a miraculous meal moment or you find over time that you find some healing or we live with some ailment or pain the rest of our lives, it's all good. It's easier said here than what you're going through. I understand that. But I want to encourage you that it's all good. Because Jesus came for all of us to wash away all of our real pain. And that's that we are made righteous only through him. Go ahead and stand to your feet. I didn't want to sugarcoat this sermon. I didn't keep going and going and going. I want to set into your heart this reality. I want to be very difficult. I want to be very truthful with you all. One of the things I love about our size church is that I've walked alongside many of you that are in pain and suffering. And so I can relate to you. So I'm not just being Mr. Like Pollyanna or whatever it is. I know how hard this is. And I'm as desperate as any of you. That some of you would be, this pain would be taken away from you. I really do. For me too. And we come every Sunday right here. We pray for healing after healing. I know because I get texts. Some of them, like people are like, man, I'm, I'm healed. This is amazing. Life's good. And some of us like, man, back at it again. Let's go again. Let's pray. And we just pray in faith. But what I don't want to do is that I want, we are a, I always say over and over again, we are a healthy spirit-led church in this community. What does that mean? We pray for healing and healing and healing. We pray for miracle and miracle and miracle. But at the same time, We don't do anything to manipulate it. We say, God, have your will in here. And the truth is that whether we receive healing or whether we don't, at the end of our lives, we we live on this assurance that Jesus died on the cross and that we're entering into his presence where we enter into our healing. So let me pray for you, Heavenly Father. I pray right now for anyone that's been struggling with this topic, myself included. It's a challenging one. What I don't want to happen, Lord, is for us to back away from it or us to get too eager in this area. We want to be right in alignment with you. Lord, we pray for everybody in this church, Lord. We pray everything that we're going through, a renewed boldness, a renewed humility, a renewed faith, Lord, to trust fully in you and you only. But Lord, we also say this. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying on the cross. Remember our salvation today in Jesus' name. If anything happens from today, Lord, let it be that we remember the joy of our salvation. Many of us have been walking for years and years, and we've lost that, that we are ultimately forever, forever with you. 
And Lord, I thank you for every miracle that's happened in this church. I thank you in advance for every miracle that's happening in this church. I thank you also that anybody that's in pain or suffering, that we will come together as a community because that's another thing that you called us to, to just love and care and provide. Lord, you are healing us in every way. Sometimes that's from one another. A smile or a hug or a meal or whatever it is that we get to be together. In Jesus' name, amen.